This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. What I want to talk to you about is really a question, and it is this. What do you expect? What do you expect? And, and just chew on that question for a moment. Right now, and in light of the future that we're looking at, what do you expect? What do you expect with our future and with our jobs and our economy and our health? And, and what do you expect? Think about that for a moment because how we respond to that will have dynamic impact upon each of our lives and the lives of our family and how things go with us. That's just the truth of it. So let me read you uh, something out of the book of James, James chapter 1, verse 6. And it says, but when you ask him, this is talking about praying, asking God for wisdom and asking God for whatever it is, we, we got to go to him in faith. But listen what it says. It says, but when you ask God, when you ask him, God, be sure that you really, and this is in the Living Bible, be sure that you really expect him to answer. When you ask God about something, be sure, it says, be sure that you really expect him to answer. That's important, to expect God to answer. He goes on, for a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect. People who just like, well, yeah, he may. No, maybe he won't. Well, maybe God will, but no, I think maybe he won't, you know. And we're double-minded. It says here, verse 7, people like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. There's no expectation. There's no faith there. And he said, if we're going to be that way, don't expect to receive anything. So I'm asking you, what do you expect? Do you expect it to get worse? Gloom and despair and agony on me? Or do you expect the best is yet to come? Think about that for just a moment. Verse 8 says, they can't make up their minds. They waver back and forth in everything they do, you know. And we pay a great compliment to Almighty God by asking and expecting great things from him. God is delighted when we come to him. Hey, God, can you do this for me? I'm going to tell you, I'm a dad and I'm a grandfather. And anytime my kids or my grandkids come to me and say, hey, grandpa, hey, dad, can you do this? It's like, yeah, I'd be happy to do that. It's just like, wow, you asked me, you know? And it's a compliment to God when we ask him for big stuff. When we ask him, and, and along with the asking, we really expect that he's going to do it for us. I'm challenging you. And the more we spend time in this book here, the greater our expectations will grow. That's just the truth of it. You know, Abraham, you know, he expected God to be faithful to everything he'd said. Father Abraham in, in the uh, Old Testament and in the New Testament. And that's what we've been talking about the last two weeks. Semper Fi, always faithful. And now we're looking at, about what do you expect? Not asking what a person you know who lives next door to you expects. I'm asking, what do you expect? And and, and it can change. 
It can change for the better. Let's look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, and it says, Later on, God tested. He didn't tempt him, but he tested him. And you know what? We're tested so we can be advanced. When I was in the first grade, I had tests so I could be advanced in the second grade. And I was tested so I could go to the third grade. See, the devil tempts us to destroy us, but God tests us to advance us. And it says here in Genesis 22:1, later on, God tested Abraham's faith and his obedience. He tested his faith and his obedience. Abraham, Abraham called, God called. Yes, yes. He replied, here I am. God's calling Abraham. And Abraham's going, yes, here I am. Verse 2, God tells Abraham, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And Isaac had been promised by Almighty God. Abraham didn't have a child until he was about 100 years old. And God had promised him that all the sands of the sea and the stars of the sky couldn't amount to all the number of the children Abraham would have and grandchildren through his son Isaac. But now God says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah and sacrifice him, Isaac. Sacrifice his promised son. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. Now, there's some people saying, well, God would never ask Abraham or anybody else to sacrifice their son. That's just something God wouldn't do. Well, if I'm not mistaken, God sacrificed his own. His name was Jesus. And that's what's purchased salvation for you and for me. But let's just listen to what God's having to say right here. It says uh, his word has to say here in verse 3. The next morning, Abraham got up real late in the day. No siree. He was quick to do what God told him to do. Abraham got up early and he saddled his donkey and he took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped wood to build a fire for a burnt offering and he set out for a place where God had told him to go. And on the third day, and I'm going to tell you something, there's probably something significant about that third day. And on the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his young men, his servants. The boy, Isaac, <coughs> and I will travel a little further. Now, y'all stay here with the donkey, and we just need some privacy here. And the boy and I, we're going to travel a little further, and we will worship there. And then Abraham is telling his servants what he expects. He has great expectations, and he tells his servants what he expects. He says, the boy and I will travel a little further, and we will worship over there, and then we will come right back. That was faith talking. He fully expected to come right back. Now, listen to what it says. We come right back here, but in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, it says, Abraham reasoned, and this is in the chapter of faith. It says, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, when God told him to go sacrifice, that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. So Abraham, when he told his servants to wait there, and him and 
Isaac was going to go worship and we'll be right back. He fully expected him and Isaac to come right back. He fully expected that. I'm going to tell you what you expect is what you get. There's so much power in you and my having this confident expectation for our future. It changes things. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11. It's going to lay a little foundation here. Chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is a substance. Did I bring my bag? I don't know if I brought my bag or not. I'll be right back. Let me see here. I think I got the right bag. <clears throat> oh, I do. That's great. Okay. It says here now, faith is the substance. Substance is like matter. It's like something you can hold in your hand. And he says here in Hebrews 11:1, 1, now faith is the substance. It's like this. Oh, you can't see that, can you? A title deed. Now, is that a substance? Absolutely it is, although it's just a piece of paper. It says here, now faith is the substance. Although this title deed is just made out of a piece of paper. My Bible is made out of paper too. And it is a title deed also. And when I have a title deed, that car is mine. Or the house is mine. When I have the title deed, that's mine. That's substance. And we need to understand that this is the title deed to so much. It is substance. Now, faith, as the scripture tells us here, is the substance. It's a guarantee. Faith is a guarantee. It is the fact. I own that car. It's a fact. It's the proof. He's going to try to tell that's my car. That's the proof. It is a fact. It's a matter of fact. It's my title deed. And he's talking about right here. He says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance. It's the substance. It's the title deed of the things that we, we hope for. But it's so important. Here's, here's where the rubber meets the road. What the word hope means. The word hope means a confident. That's 100%. There's confidence here. Faith is a substance. It's a title deed of what we hope for. And the word hope means a confident expectation for the future. Hope is a confident expectation for the future. That's biblical hope. It's confident expectation. Faith. <laughs> I'm going to tell you, when you have some confidence and you just know that you know that you know, that's faith. And it changes things in your life. When you have this confident expectation for the future. So it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Hmm. Do you have a confidence, a confident expectation of what's going to happen in your future right now, in this world that's going on around about us? My question to you is, what are you expecting? Don't listen to the lies of the devil because he's a liar and he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus says, I come to give you life. And he, he is the truth and life in all of its fullness. That's what he tells us. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 14. 
verse 2. And I'm reading this out of the Message Bible. It says, God sticks his head out of heaven. Boy, that captivates our attention, don't it? God sticks his head out of heaven and he looks around and he looks for someone not stupid. We don't have very many people in this room at all. Just about me and maybe my wife and two other, two other people, three people. I don't believe there's nobody stupid in here. But he says here, he looks for someone God sticks his head out and he's looking around and he's looking for someone who's not stupid. One man, even God expectant, and I hope to be that man. I hope to be a God expectant man. Whatever you say, Almighty God, I believe it and I expect it. And he says he, he sticks his head out of heaven and he looks around and he looks for someone not stupid, one man, even God expected, and just one God-ready woman. God ready. She's ready. It's like, I'm ready to go. When God says go this way, we will go that way. And you and I can be that expectant man. We can be that God-ready woman. We can do that as we spend some time in his word right here and we hear what he's saying, and when God tells you something, it's a promise, and it's going to happen. It's going to come to pass. This is what it says here in Mark chapter 15, verse 43, and I'm again in the uh, Message Bible. It says, Joseph of Arimathea, a highly respected member of the Jewish council, he came, and he was one who lived expectantly. When it comes in your relationship with God, and as we're living here on this planet, do you live your life expectantly? Just on whatever God says. That's just the way it is. It's the truth. It's just the truth. He was one who lived expectantly on the lookout for the kingdom of God. Are you on the lookout for God's kingdom? God's on the move. He's doing things. Are you on the lookout? Are you living expectantly? You can Psalms 31, verse 24 in the Amplified Bible says, Be strong and let your hearts take courage. Be strong and let your hearts take courage. All you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord. You're going to be strong and you're going to take courage. All of you who confidently expect the Lord. Expect the Lord to do what? To provide for you, to heal you, to take care of you, to give you his peace to do everything that he has ever promised that he's going to do for you. Be strong and let your hearts take courage. All of you who wait for and confidently expect the Lord, you're going to have his strength and courage. If you are confidently expecting that everything God has told us is true and we're going to anchor down on it, confident. I'm telling you, what do you expect? Because you're going to get what you expect. I'm going to tell you, when I go fishing, I don't really expect to catch one fish. I expect to catch a bunch of fish. So I get two stringers to put them on. What do you expect? Why would I even go fishing if I didn't expect to catch one? I'm just telling. That's just the way it is. And listen here what it says. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Oh, this is such a powerful verse. God wrote this one just for me. Uh, Y'all can borrow it if you want to, but it was just for me. He says in Romans 8, 15, it says, this resurrection life, and that's what happens when you accept Christ into your life. 
You tap into that resurrection power. You access that resurrection power, and it changes things for you. And it says, this resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Jesus is alive. On Easter, we don't go down to the cemetery and just think about gloom and despair and agony. We're thinking, he is alive. He is risen. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Man, that's my middle name, adventurously. Adventurously expectant. I'm expecting God to do everything that he said he's going to do. I expect it. It's adventurously expectant. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? That's the way I pray. Hey, Papa. Papa God, what's next, Papa? And you know what it's like? It's just like, you know, me and Susan go and pray every morning early, and we get out on our chairs at the base of the mountain lots of times. Do you see where I'm sitting right here? I'm sitting on the edge of my seat, and I'm going, what's next, Papa? What's next? Oh, that was fantastic. That was a great adventure. What's next, Papa? What you got going on? And I expect God to show us what is next. And he loves us and he's crazy about it. And you find any man, woman, boy, or girl who expects God to do everything he says and who's obedient to him, it's amazing what's going to happen. That's just the truth of it. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, in the Message Bible, and this is referring to Simeon, and it refers to Simeon as one of those who is prayerfully expectant, expectantly prayerful. When you pray, are, are, are you, you know, expectantly prayerful? When you pray, are you thinking, well, I don't really know, that's just too big for God to do, you know. I mean, God probably don't have enough of that, you know. Or are you going to God and you're going like, you know what, we're going to have to make some room around here because we asked God about some things and they're going to happen. What do you expect? That's what you're going to get. And we need to begin to expect what Almighty God has told us. We need to get into this book, and it strengthens, and it magnifies our expector. It genuinely does. Okay, going back over here to Genesis, where we was reading about Abraham and Isaac, Genesis chapter 22, verse 6, it says, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Now, Isaac was a strong lad there. He carried some wood for a fire. And then it says, while he himself carried the knife. I think I might have one of those in here too. He carried the knife. And so Abraham, he carried the knife and he carried the fire. And they didn't have lighters back in those days. So they would take a little container and they'd put red hot coals in there. So when they got somewhere, they could dump them red hot coals out and start them a fire. And it says here, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the knife and the fire. And as the two of them went together, Isaac said, Father? Question mark. Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the wood and we have the fire. We've done this many a times back at home, said the boy. But where is the lamb for the sacrifice? Where is the lamb? Isaac is asking his dad as he's going up a mountain to offer a sacrifice, you know. And then verse 8, Abraham, who was prayerfully expectant, Abraham, who is referred to as a friend of God, 
He knew God. He knew God's nature. And he knew that God could even raise somebody from the dead if he needed to do so. And number verse 8, in response to Isaac, he said, God will provide a lamb, my son. God will provide a lamb. That was faith and expectation talking right there. That wasn't a lie. That was a man who fully expected God to fulfill his promise that his son would have many, many, many grandsons and granddaughters for him in the future. Abraham answered, and then they both went on together. Verse 9 says that when they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar out of stone, and he placed the wood on it, and then he tied Isaac up, and he laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife. He took the knife, the Scripture says, and Abraham took the knife, and he lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord because God told him to do that. And he wasn't holding back. He got up early that morning, you know, the, three days ago, and he started out there and he got it all together and he lifted up the knife because God told him to offer his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord who spoke on Almighty God's behalf and did his beckoning, at that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, exclamation mark. Yes, he answered, I'm listening. Lay down the knife. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way. For now, and he's speaking on behalf of God, for now I know that you truly fear God. I know that you truly fear God, and you know that you truly fear God, and you have not withheld even your beloved son from me. My question to you is what do you, what do we withhold from God? Sometimes we think, well, I'm going to withhold my money, you know, I'm going to withhold my generosity and things like that from God. I'm going to tell you something. That ain't nothing. That ain't nothing compared to what Abraham was doing. Abraham did not withhold his own son. He gave his own son's life. He was willing to do so. Anyhow, verse 13 it says, Then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a bush. Ram is just a male sheep. So he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering on the altar in place of his son. And I'm going to tell you, that screams out to the whole planet. Just as that ram was sacrificed instead of Isaac, Jesus was sacrificed instead of you and me, and he is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God provided a lamb. He provided a ram for you and me that our sins could be washed away. And Jesus died in our place the same way that ram died in Isaac's place. And verse 14 goes on to say, Abraham, name the place. Name it. Okay, I'm ready to name it, God. Name the place the Lord will provide. Now, have you discovered that truth in your own life? That the Lord will provide whatever it is that you need. You need healing. You need food right now. Whatever it is that you need, right? you need some hope, you need some peace right now. What is it that you need? De declare this, that the Lord will provide 
as Abraham learned a truth, and it's because he expected. He expected God to do everything that he had promised to do. The Lord will provide. He named the place, that mountain, the Lord will provide. This name has now become a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. That's what the scripture on, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. He's speaking what God told him to tell Abraham. Because you have obeyed me. That's key. See, when you, you fully expect God to do everything, it's easy to obey God when you fully expect him to do everything he's promised. So it's easy to obey him at that point. This is what the Lord says in verse 16, because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your beloved son, I swear. This is God swearing. I swear by my own self that I will bless you richly. You find a man or a woman who won't hold nothing back from Almighty God, because completely, fully expecting God to do everything that he said he'd do. Verse 17, I will bless you richly because you withheld nothing from me. You obey. I will bless you richly and I will multiply your descendants into countless millions like the stars of the sky and the sands on the seashore. They will conquer their enemy. Your children will conquer the enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All because you have obeyed me. And I'm telling you, when you and I choose to fully expect God to do what he promised, and you and I choose to fully obey Almighty God, I'm telling you that our influence upon this generation and even through our children, the generations that are around us right now, will hear the gospel. Their lives will be forever changed because God's using men and women just like us who fully expect God to do what he promised he'd do and we fully obey him and we withhold nothing from him. We surrender it all. Our obedience to God is the evidence that we expect God to bless us richly. Charles Finney once said, revival is nothing more or less than a new obedience to God. That's what brings revival. When a man or a woman fully obeys God, God starts a revival in their life, in their household, in their community, in their little town, in their state, in their, you know, nation, in their world. When God can find a woman who's just ready, fully committed, a man who is just expectant. God's looking for men and women like that right now. Some Christians are so afraid of failure that they become reserved, overly cautious, and uninvolved in life. They follow a policy of guarded living, holding back time, talents, treasures from God's service. You know, they disobey God. Their motto is to keep from failing, don't try. Just to keep from failing, don't try. On the other hand, those who are willing to make mistakes and risk failure are the ones who ultimately achieve great things. Instead of being filled with fear, they go forward in faith. What's next, Papa? What's, ne what's next, Papa? I'm on the edge of my seat. What's next, Papa? Oh, that was adventures yesterday. But what's next, Papa? 
Oh, I know this, there's this crazy virus going on in our world, but what's na- what you want me to do next? What's next, Papa? Oh, man. He goes on to say here, problems are challenges in this little article. Problems are challenges. While they may not all be solved, these courageous people would rather live with that reality than to have a clean record of no failures and no accomplishments. Benjamin Franklin once said, the man who does things makes many mistakes, but he never makes the biggest mistake of all, doing nothing. That's the biggest mistake of all. Expecting that God's going to do nothing for you. He ain't going to help you in any possible way, so you're just going to kind of just sit there and do nothing. Hmm. See, faith enables you and me to do great things by obeying Almighty God and expect God to do great things in and through our life and this world in which we live right now. Do you want to see your loved ones come to know Jesus? Expect it. Do you want to see marriages, your own, starting with your own marriage and other marriages in your family and in your community? You want to see marriages restored and strengthened? Expect it. Genuinely pray about it. Pray the word and expect it's going to happen. You want to see all the obstacles that's in your way? You want to see those obstacles overcome? Expect it. You want to see miracles begin to happen in your life and in the lives of your friends and your family? You want to see miracles? Expect them. That's what I'm talking about. Do you want to get your house in order? You want to get your finances all restored and blessed so that you'll have all that you could ever possibly need and plenty left over to do whatever God wants you to do? You want to have that going on in your life? Expect it. That's what I'm talking about. Psalms chapter 5, verse 3. The psalmist said, Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. He's praying early in the morning. It's a good time to pray. Listen to my voice in the morning, Lord. Each morning I bring my request to you and wait What's that word? Expectantly. You go and you pray and you wait on God expectantly. He's like, what are we going to do today, Lord? Oh, you want to do it? You want to pray about this? You want us to do that? Okay, that's fantastic, Papa. You know? Mark chapter 11, verse 22, it says, And then Jesus said to the disciples, four words, Have faith in God. Did you notice that Jesus didn't just say, Have faith? He didn't say, have faith. He didn't say that. He said, have faith in God. This is important. This is is important. It's vital to us. Because, see, faith has to have an object. It has to have an object. And faith has no value by itself. Only the object has value. And the object of the psalmist's faith and the object of our faith is God. And he's the most valuable of all. He has all the value, and our faith is in him, you see. I was reading about these two men who went ice fishing on a frozen lake. And one man was assuring his friend that the ice will hold you. It'll be okay. And he cautiously began to kind of take a little bit of steps out onto the ice and he was trembling and he was taking these little bitty step after step after step until he just couldn't stand it no more and he turned around and he started taking these little bitty steps back to the shore. Then the other man who had invited him to go, 
He just walks out courageously with all of his stuff and all of his gear and boldly. And then he cuts a hole in the ice and he sits down and he begins to fish. Three important questions here. What supported the man who was sitting out there on the ice fishing? What supported him? The ice did. It was the ice. That's what supported him. That's what kept him up. That's what kept him from falling. It wasn't faith that kept him up. It was the ice that kept him up. It was the object of his faith, you see, was the ice. Number two question. Who had the strongest faith? Think about it for a moment. The man who was out there on the ice catching fish had the greatest faith. The other guy was indeed back at shore sitting on the, the ground, you know. Third question. What made the difference between the two? One man knew the ice and expected it to hold him. And I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know God? And do you expect him to do everything he said he was going to do? That man, he knew the ice. And he knew the ice was plenty thick enough for him to drive his car out on that thing. He knew the ice and he, he had faith in it. He fully expected it. And, and you and I, when Jesus had, said, have faith in God, God is the object of our faith. And we fully expect him to do whatever he said he would do. And we value God. It's not just having faith in faith or faith in science, or faith in history, or faith in this, or faith, it's faith, what Jesus said, have faith in God. And then I ask you that question once again, do you really know the ice? Do you really know God? Do you know him? You know, think about that for a moment, because when you have God, you've got everything that you'll ever need when you've got God. Let's go back over here to, uh, Mark chapter 11, and pick up in verse 23, and Jesus goes on to say, I assure you that you can say to this mountain, may God lift you up and throw you into the sea, and your command will be obeyed. Almost sounds to be too good to be true, but it is true. Let's put our faith in, in the object of God. I assure you that you can say to this mountain, may God lift you up and throw you into the sea and your command will be obeyed. All that's required is that you really believe in God. All that is required is that you really believe and do not doubt in your heart. Listen to me. Jesus is talking. You can pray about anything. And what percentage is anything? 100%. Thank you, dear. That was her idea. But you know, that's the truth. Listen to it again. Listen to it. Listen to me, Jesus said. You can pray for anything, and if you believe, if you really expect it, if you have a confident expectation that it's coming your way, what does he say is going to happen? You will have it. I got to read that again. Sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Jesus is talking to you and me. We're his disciples now. Listen to me. You can pray for anything, anything. And if you believe, if you really expect it, if you really expect it, you will have it. 
What do you expect when you pray? Do you expect that you're wasting your time? You'd rather be watching some movie or something or another? When you're praying, are you expecting God is answering every prayer that you pray? You expecting people are getting well and they're getting they're protected from this virus and their needs are being met. They're coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. What do you expect when you pray? Jesus said, if you really believe what you're praying about, you will have it. Paul Harvey, great fellow. I, I loved Paul Harvey. He's with Jesus now. He was a strong believer. He said, if you don't live it, you don't believe. If you don't live what you've, you're talking about or what you've heard someone else say, if you ain't living it, you don't believe it. If you're not expecting God to answer your prayers if you, and you're praying the word, well, then you don't believe it. That's what he said. There are two requirements if you and I want to move a mountain. Number one is to have faith. Not just that. Number one is to have faith in God. That's number one. Two ingredients are so necessary, two requirements. If you want to move some mountains, it's blocking your path. You got to have faith in God. And you got to expect that you're going to receive. Say, that's pretty simple. It is pretty simple. And as a man would invest a little bit of time and energy into this book, you'll find your faith. You'll find your expector is expecting more. You're knowing that God is true. And it's changing things. And you're seeing things that are changing in your life in an amazing kind of a way. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10 says, Farmers plow and thresh, expecting something when the crop comes. Are you expecting like a farmer does when he plows and he plants seed? He expects something to come. When you plow through prayer, do you expect to get an answer to your prayers? Let's begin to pray. Find out what the Bible says and pray the word of God and expect God to do exactly what he said he would do. Romans chapter 12, verse 11 this is in the Message Bible. It also says, don't burn out. Don't burn out. Only people who burn out didn't pay attention to this. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expectant. Lots of times people are praying, well, I just hope God's going to do this. I just hope he's going to do this for me. Oh, God, I just, I don't really think you are, but I really hope you do. James already said, you ain't going to get nothing. What did he tell us here? Cheerfully expectant. Are you cheerful? Abraham taking his son from the top of the mountain where God told him to sacrifice it. When his son said, well, where's the lamb? He said, don't worry about that, you know. God will provide the lamb, son. He was cheerfully expected because he knew God. Just like that other guy knew the ice, and he was out there fishing on it. But when you don't know God, you don't know what you can pray about. When you don't know about the ice, you ain't going to get out there on it and do ice fishing, you see. And he says here, be alert, servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. Don't quit in hard times. We've had some hard times here in this world right now. He says, don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Like we drive around home to horn at people's houses. They come out and wave and we wave back. That's just being a little inventive in our hospitality. And we're, we're, we're going to have hospitality after the services. 
We can go into these little chat rooms, these little Zoom rooms, and talk to people on our computers and on our phones. He said, I got to read it again. Don't burn out. Keep yourself fueled in a flame. Be alert servants of the master. Cheerfully expect. I'm expecting the best is yet to come. I expect it's going to get better and better and gooder and gooder all the long. Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians be inventive in hospitality. Remember what we talked about earlier about faith. And it says in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 6, it says, and without faith, and faith is a substance. It's a title deed. You remember Faith is a substance that you can get a hold of. It's a title deed of things hoped for. If you don't have hope, and the definition of hope is a confident expectation. If you don't expect good things to happen, you have zero faith. Because faith is the fact that you have a confident expectation that God's going to do something. It's a title deed. It's a guarantee. It's proof, you see. And it says, and without faith, without faith, Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe. Anyone who comes to God must expect. If you come to God, you must expect, not being fearful, but he says anyone who who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. We expect him to reward those who earnestly seek him. We expect that God is there and he's listening and he's going to earnestly reward us because we're asking him. We expect this and that expectation will bring about the answers to your prayers and it will change things even when there's a coronavirus going on. It changes things in your life and in your family's life and in your community's life. I am telling you God's word is 100% true. God honors radical risk-taking faith. Max Licato said this, and we got to understand that faith is a substance. This substance is called expectation, confident expectation. Faith is a substance of things you hope for. You got this confident expectation, that's a substance. And, 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 oh, that's faith. That's faith. And, and Max Licato said, God honors radical risk-taking faith. When arcs are built, I'm telling you, confident expectation. When arcs are built, it's because of somebody expected it, you see. Lives are saved. You know the ark, Noah on the ark there. When soldiers march and Jericho's tumble, somebody expected God's word to be true. When staffs are raised and seas are opened up, Someone was expecting what God said was true. And when a lunch is shared with thousands and they're all fed, it's because somebody, these disciples expected that what Jesus was telling them to do, it was going to be true. And when a garment was touched by the hand of an anemic woman who had had an issue of blood for 12 years, Jesus stopped by and he responded and he healed her. There was expected, she had said to herself, if I can just go touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. And she did. And she expected. What are you expecting today? I'm going to tell you, we got to get into God's word. We got to get into the title deed. We got to read the, the small print in the title deed. It's exciting, adventurously exciting, adventurously expectant. Oh, 
God's got some fantastic things in store for us. A man once wrestled with these questions. Can we have contact with God at all times? This is his wrestling. Can we fall asleep in God's arms and, and awaken in his presence? Can we do his will all the time? Can we think his thoughts all the time? Can I bring the Lord back into my mind flow every few seconds to that, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> so that God shall always be in my mind? I choose to make the rest of my life an experiment in answering these questions. That man was Frank Lobach, born in the United States in 1884, a missionary to the illiterate, teaching them to read so that they could know the beauty of the scriptures. Frank Lobach was dissatisfied with his own spiritual life. At the age of 45, he resolved to live in continuous inner conversation with God and in perfect responsiveness to his will. Lobach wrote in his journal on March the 1st, 1930, this sense of being led by an unseen hand, it grows upon me daily. April the 18th, 1930, I have tasted a thrill in the fellowship of God. This afternoon, the possession of God has caught me up with such sheer joy that I thought I never had known anything like it. God was so close. March the 24th, 1930. This concentration on God is strenuous, but everything else has ceased to be so. I think more clearly, I forget less frequently things which I did with a strain before I do, I now do easily and with no effort whatsoever. I worry about nothing and I lose no sleep. Frank Dubach, Frank Lovach was a man who walked with God continually. That's what faith and expectation does. I want a closer relationship with God. And you got to spend time with him. And you got to spend time in his word. And your expector gets stronger and stronger. You have confident expectation that God's going to hear your prayers. And he's going to answer them. And I know you got a lot of people you're praying for right now. But let's go to the word and pray the word. What do you expect? What are you expecting? Let's expect the best is yet to come. Let's expect it together. One final verse. It's in Luke chapter 21. Verse 34, it says, But on your guard, but be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled. Now, what would happen if my knife got dulled? It wouldn't be good for much. You couldn't hardly cut anything with it no more if it just got dull. I, I, I wouldn't care, if, but I found a way that I can keep it sharp, you see. And he says, but be on your guard. Don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by parties and drinking and shopping and all kinds of worldly things. It dulls our expectation. We don't really expect God to do what he says, and we allow people to mock him and all that. But I'm telling you, God is the Almighty, the Most High, and he knows everything about you and he will provide everything that you have need of, everything that you have need of. And he can heal. He forgives and he heals, the Bible says, and he provides and he cares for and he gives peace. 
and he is everything that you could possibly want him to be. That's who God is. He cares about you. So my question a while ago, when I was asking, hey, about the guy, did he know the ice? Nah, so he sat on shore. But the guy who knew the ice was out on the ice. <laughs> Do you know God? Are you willing to take some risk and trust God and expect what he has said is true, like Abraham did? And we saw a miracle happen in Abraham and Isaac. Give us a powerful illustration. I'd like to pray with you right now. So Jesus Christ will come into your life right now when we pray. He'll do it right now. Not tomorrow, not the next, but when we pray right now, as you're hearing this, and you invite him into your life, he'll come in right now. And you can begin to know him right this moment. And as you'll go to his word, and I'd start over in the New Testament, somewhere around the book of John or so, and just read on through there, and you get to know him better and better and better. Oh, I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. If you already know Christ, would you reaffirm your faith? Right there from your home, in your car, your truck, wherever you at at the moment. Would you reaffirm your faith in Christ? And if you don't know him, would you declare your faith in him? Would you open up your heart so you can know him right now? Would you pray with me right now? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. And I believe he gave his life for me. The Lamb of God gave his life for me to wash my sins away. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart right now. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside as my Savior, as my Lord, as my Master, as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I turn from those things. And I expect you to forgive me. And I expect that you provide everything I have need of. And I expect that you'll use me in this world in which I live. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. There are so many titles, deeds, title deeds to so many rich blessings that God wants you to have. And faith is a substance. It's the title deed of the things that you're hoping for. It's a title deed of what you expect. So let's just keep expecting God to do everything that he says, because he will. And we're praying for you guys. We are praying for God's blessings upon you and those that are dear to you. Yes, we are. God bless you.